head on downstairs and have a great time. Man, our, uh, our worship was so powerful. It was sucking the energy out of our screens. Did you see that? It was just like amazing. Good job, guys. This is good. All right. Well, um, tonight we're going to have another fantastic time of worship. I hope you can join us uh, at 6 o'clock. Uh, we have some community uh, pastors coming to pray uh, along with us, some other churches that we've uh, invited, encouraged to come and worship together. And uh, we have Dan Swanson going to come and pray for uh, Illinois for us. And so we're going to pray for Mercer County, for um, Illinois, for the United States, for the world. And we're just going to spend uh, time recognizing that God has to uh, do a mighty work among us. Amen. So it's going to be a great time of worship, just lifting up our, our voices to the Lord. And so I'm excited. I'm, I'm ready for that. Um, so I hope you can join us for that tonight. Um, and then as we get started here in First John, I just want to kind of give you a little bit of a background. Three and a half years ago, um, we started a series, and uh, it was called Through the Bible, right? And so we are making it through the Bible. We are within two months of getting through the entire Scripture. We started in Genesis. We're going we're gonna to end in Revelation at the end of June. So uh, we're getting close. Now, now is the time uh, that I can... I, I feel like pretty safely say that uh, we're on track to finish. Um, we've had a few diversions and uh, some different things, but um, God has been good, and so we're going to get through. But um, I just want to say really quick, next month in June, I know we got a, a lot of months to get through here this May, but um, in June we're doing something uh, unique and special, and I'm really excited about it. We're going to be in the book of Revelation uh, we're going to be talking about the major themes of Revelation, and Rick Magoo is going to come and join us on Wednesday nights um, and lead us through uh, some teaching in Revelation as well. He's done a lot of study um, in end times prophecy, and so he's going to bring some lessons. We're going to be right here in the sanctuary on Wednesday nights, and so I hope you can just set that aside through the month of June. Come when you can. We're going to Facebook Live it. Uh, so we'll live stream it if you can't make it, but I'm um, just excited about that. But we have some really great things to talk about for the next few weeks. And so we're in 1 John. And 1 John is um, it's a great book. It's, it's an interesting book. It's a difficult book. How many of you have read 1 John and found yourself like, all right, I'm not sure what to do with that. It's, there's some challenging things in John, okay? And so what happens is John uh, writes in a different way than what we're used to. We think in a linear way for the most part. We think chronologically, beginning to end, and things kind of connect, and then they lead to a, a, a conclusion. Well, John does not write that way. He writes in a circular fashion. Okay, so what happens is he'll start with a thought. It's kind of like my preaching. He starts with a thought, and then he'll jump over to a different thought, and then he'll jump over to a different thought, and then he'll come back to that thought. But he just kind of goes round and round, and 
So the best way to read John is to read it paragraph by paragraph, okay? Just take a paragraph alone, read it, try to understand it, pray over it, and then move on, okay? Because that's, that's going to be the, the best way to try to read through 1 John. But it's also challenging because he, he says some things that are hard for us to hear, okay? And maybe you haven't read it lately and you don't remember exactly some of the things that, that kind of pierce your heart, but, I mean, I'll just give you a few examples. He says in First uh, John 2, 4, Whoever says, I know him, I know God, but does not keep his commandments, that starts off okay, is a liar. The truth is not in him. It's like, whoa. Like, I thought I was doing okay. I, sometimes I mess up, but he's calling you out um, pretty strongly. You jump over to verse uh, 15. If, the, if anyone loves the world, anybody love the world? Wow, you guys are doing great. This won't bother you at all. It says, the love of the Father is not in him. Chapter 3, verse 6, no one who abides in him, lives in him, keeps on sinning. Okay, We're all, we all stop sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Doing great so far, right? So he says some things that are, are these challenging? Did you say these are pretty challenging uh, things that he's teaching and saying? So here's, here's the whole thing. That was just a brief example. I, we'd go on and on. But chapter 5 gives us um, really the essence of what he is trying to teach. Okay, 5.13, I love what John does. He does it in his gospel. He does it in Revelation. He does it in his letters. He says, this is why I'm writing to you. Gives us exactly the reason. He says, 5.13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Okay, you're a believer, Christian. You've claimed Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Not to uh, upset your confidence. Okay, I've inserted that. I write these things to you that you may know that you have eternal life, that you may be confident, that you may have assurance, that you, that you would walk away from uh, studying and applying uh, 1 John, his, his letter that God inspired, that God has given us for the strength of the church so that you could go out from that time knowing that I'm right with God, and I'm going to heaven, and so nothing in this world should ultimately bother me too much. You go through stress and struggle and difficulties, and we all do. I know God is with me, and I know where I'm going. John helps us to have the absolute assurance and confidence of that. I'm not wondering question, oh, God, am I saved? Am I going to go to heaven? Are you going to be with me? How's this going to work out? John, when you read John and you study John, you apply John, um, this is the word of God. It's the Holy Spirit takes that truth and he settles in your heart absolutely who you are, who God is, and what's going on. You, you want that? Do you need that? Are we ready for that? So here's what John does. That's the, the lens that we're going to read John through. This is why I write to you, give you confidence in your salvation, your eternity. 
He's going to circle back through this over and over and over through three specific themes, okay? True doctrine. What is doctrine? Shout it out. What's doctrine? Teaching. It's all doctrine is teaching. We, we what? Sanctify that word and say it's really teaching about spiritual things. But it's, it's just teaching. It's the truth. It's the true truth. So true doctrine, true truth, faithful obedience. So you have to know God. You have to know who he is and what he has said. And then next from there is you have to apply that to your life. Faithful obedience. How do you do this? And then thirdly, uh, he's going to tell us how to have fervent devotion. So why does John keep coming back to the theme of love over and over and over in his, his writings? Because, I don't know about you, but um, for me, uh, I can get pretty, pretty settled on what I believe is true. I can, I can actually, I have a decent amount of willpower. I can apply things pretty well. Um, but you, a lot of times what, what is difficult is to retain that love. The, the, the relationship at its heart with God and with other people. I, I'm okay as a solo Christian. Anybody agree? Like, uh, it's the other people that kind of mess me up. Fervent devotion is m- making sure that your, your walk with the Lord is coming from the right place and always leading back to the right result. I have a relationship with God, and I have a relationship with others, and I'm seeing things the way God is saying. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about doctrine today. That's what we're going to focus our attention on is the true truth, and then we'll spend the next two weeks talking about uh, faithful obedience and fervent devotion. So let's stand as we read God's Word this morning. Uh, We're going to pick up 1 John 1, starting in verse 5. And we're going to read through verse 10. It says this. This is the message we have heard from him. We proclaim to you that God is light. In him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie. Do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. And Father, we thank you, God. We thank you for your truth that uh, sets apart our hearts for a greater purpose. Lord, we pray uh, that we would shine your light into this world, God, that you would take your church, that you would take your people, those who are called by your name, that you would raise us up and uh, allow us, but uh, really strengthen us and empower us, Lord, uh, to be the church in the world, God. This, This world is dark. You are the light, and you have uh, told us that we are the reflected light of Christ. And Lord, we pray 
We would not shrink back from that uh, responsibility. We wouldn't shrink back from that high privilege, Lord, that we would take on the confidence that John uh, so clearly is, is seeking to give us, Lord, that your word uh, empowers us to have, that your Holy Spirit confirms in our hearts, God, that we stand different in this world, God, that this world needs to see the power and the love and the glory of Christ lived out in our lives. And God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would take full advantage of this moment, of this day of worship, God, and uh, capture our attention. Don't let us go. Don't let us waver one moment, Lord, from what, what you want to teach us, what you want to show us about the great things that you have in store for us, for the future, uh, Lord, and even those who are far from you right now, Lord, we pray that you would draw them close and show them the goodness and the glory of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You, you can be seated. So, true doctrine starts out with, obviously, you, this is not a mystery, it starts out with who God is. John, like I said, he writes in a little different way. He doesn't always say things the way that we would expect or maybe the way that we've heard before. But in this one brief statement, he says, God is light and him is no darkness at all. And that covers almost every aspect of the greatness of God. Um, light has to do with goodness and glory, his worthiness. Uh, his truth, he cannot lie, his righteousness, his holiness. And, and what happens is in God's understanding and our understanding of God as light is that he says, I am the way of life. And I always do right. And I have absolute insight into every, everything because I made it all and I created it for my purpose. And you say, okay, I... How many of you disagree with that? Okay, because we have some guys who are prepared to come and grab you. No. <laughs> Listen, the thing is that we don't disagree with the, the greatness of God and how he's infinite in his wisdom and he's infinite in his power and he's infinite in his goodness and until we come up against something that we think we, we want him to do that he's not, gonna, not doing. And Satan loves to uh, deceive and to manipulate and to get us off track because when we have situations in our life that we want God to act and do something and he doesn't do it the way that we want, we say, well, if I was God, then I would do, I would heal that, I would have let that happen, I, wouldn't, I would recover that thing, I would bring it back to the place where I wouldn't let that marriage do Right? If I were God, anybody ever hear somebody, or you ever think that? I mean, you might think it kind of in the back of your mind, like, God, why, why are you letting that happen? And this is Satan's subtle little trick. It's, it's how he uh, began to deceive Eve is, is that, well, maybe God's not really as good as what you think or as what the Bible says. Maybe he's really not fair. Maybe he's kind of cruel. Maybe he's got standards you just can't meet, and they're just, uh, it's just too much. 
And our world likes that kind of thinking. I don't know if you know that. The world actually prefers a God who is far less holy than what we know him to be. In fact, people will make up a God. You know, my, my God wouldn't send anyone to hell. Have you ever heard that before? Well, my God is so loving that uh, he wouldn't discriminate anyone based on how they want to live their life. And we, now we have this tug of war of you've created a God in your own image that you think is better than the God that's been revealed in his word. We had a, a call this last week um, asking for prayers for a little one-month-old boy, and we're praying, you know, every day, praying for his healing. He's in the hospital. He's lived his whole short life in the hospital and uh, has a heart issue that uh, the doctors have said medicine can do no more, okay? We've, we've done everything we can do. There's nothing more medicine can to do for this person, this, this baby. Um, now it is up to God. They're, the only thing that is going to save his life is a, a miraculous healing from God. So we're praying that God would heal this baby. And we agree with that. Would you agree with that? Let's pray for the healing of this baby. Absolutely. And we know that God can. And, we know, and now we, we hear that even the doctors say that's the only way that he's going to live. If I were God, if you were God, what would you do? Here's, let, let me tell you this. If you were God, you would do exactly what God is going to do. Whether the baby is miraculously healed or the baby is mercifully brought into heaven, you would do exactly what God would do because God is always right. The difference between what I think I would do and what God will do is that if I were God, I would know why. I would know why. I don't know why as a human being. I don't know why as a, as a creature, why all the things happen the way that they do. I don't know why, but he does. He never fails. He never does wrong. All his judgments are right. They're exactly the way they should be. I, I can disagree with them, but who's going to be wrong? He's always right. This is, this is what we begin to capture is the infinite knowledge of God. He's dealing with seven and a half billion lives every day. Every motive, every thought, every action, every impact. And he never fails. He never mis makes a mistake. He never loses track. Okay? How many 7.5 billion things can you take account of. And he knows the beginning from the end, the point and the purpose and the destiny of every single one, and he's always doing right. You say, well, whew, I'm glad that's not my job. I'm going to give him glory that he can do it all, and he has a great plan, better than my plan. Amen? Uh, we don't have to 
get into this so much. I mean, we, we, the church, we believe in the infinite goodness and righteousness and glory of God. We, we agree with that. That's why we're here. We worship that. What we uh, don't always understand and why John, I think, makes such a huge point is the next issue is that I am a sinner. So I get that God is far beyond my ability to understand in His goodness and His righteousness, power, His love, His glory, all of that. But I, the second trick of Satan is to try to make us better than we are. He wants to make God less good than He is, make us better than we are. And so what happens is that we have an easy time saying that other people are sinners. Anybody you agree with that? It's easy to say the world is sinful. It's easy to say somebody else is sinful. Um, it's harder for me to remember that I'm a sinful creature. I, and here's what happens is that I think um, I have good motives, right? If you just knew my heart, then you would know that deep down, I'm a good person, right? Anybody? Let's take the focus off me for a second and say the average person, right? They, they say, I, I'm, I'm a good person. I, I didn't mean to do wrong. I didn't intend to hurt your feelings, say the wrong thing. It kind of came out. I didn't, I just, you know, misspoke. We rarely really take credit for the, uh, the sinful creature that we are. But the, the Bible points to this as true doctrine. That you have to claim an understanding that you are a fallen creature. That God had a particular plan and purpose for his, his human beings that he made. And we fell from that. So, sinful creature or fallen creature, let's just deal with that for a second. A creature by nature is limited. Would you agree? It, a, sinful, a creature by nature has particular limits. We, we only know so much. And so I have to claim that I'm ignorant about a lot of things. Uh, I only have so much knowledge. I only have so much energy. I can only do so much. I only have so much skill. I only have so much time. I'm limited in every facet of, of myself. That's a, that's a creature. But the fact that we're fallen means that, that even the, the good purpose and, and plan that God made in a creature, it got twisted, and it's off course, and it's off God's plan. So when I take those two things into account, and I recognize that that is who I am, then what I'm beginning to see is the, the huge distance between who God is and who I am. And I'm not necessarily trying to, you know, beat myself up over it all the time. I'm just saying I recognize that I'm a limited and often wrong creature that hopefully helps me to be a little bit humble instead of prideful. Prideful says, I don't need any instruction, any guidance, any help from anyone or anything else. Humility says, I see who God is and I see who I am. And I realize that the, the, the chasm is so huge that I need God. I actually spend my time day to day, realizing and understanding that I need him. Thankfully, he actually gives us the solution, and he says, 
that the Son, Jesus, His blood cleanses us from all sin. So the third doctrine, the first doctrine is God is all-powerful, all-good, He is righteous. Second doctrine is man is fallen. We agree with that. Third doctrine, there's only one Redeemer. There's only one Savior. There's only one path. There's only one plan. There's only one uh, way that God gave for man to breach that chasm from where we are to where he is. It's Jesus Christ. And here again is where Satan loves to tinker and manipulate and lie and deceive, which is to say, uh, we, we have lots of ways we can be right with God, right? You can be right with God uh, just by uh, accepting yourself. Just, just be okay with who you are no matter how wrong you are. It's okay. And, and one of the doctrines uh, that is slipping away is this doctrine that uh, we need Jesus to be right with God. And we're replacing it with uh, I'm okay, you're okay. We're going to accept everyone and everything. We're going to lower the bar to absolute zero so that everyone can be absolutely just fine, no matter what sin they do, no matter how off they are from God's plan and His nature and His purpose and His creation. It's just, we'll just make the bar just absolutely zero. And our world, you see, our young people are being taught this. Our world is being inundated with this kind of information that if you're not okay with uh, your gender, you just change it. And uh, we'll, you know, we'll provide all the, the medical uh, 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 help that we can and, and insurance will pay for it and, and uh, we'll just make it possible so, because somehow just God messed up and you're in the wrong body. And I, I feel... Um, oftentimes that I'm just, yeah, I, I don't know if I should be here. <laughs> am, I, am I in the right place? And I realize, you know, the Holy Spirit just comes and he says, I, you're going to get a new body. You're, you're going to be absolutely who God made you to be uh, one day. In eternity and right now, you're dealing with the noise of all the sinful darkness that can pour into a human being. And our young people, especially, I'm, I'm saying young people, I don't want to um, stereotype here because I think there's a lot of older people that are confused too. But uh, our young people, especially, are being... Um, so immersed in a culture that is trying to make everyone okay with what is not okay. Sin within us causes such a problem that there's only one way to deal with it. It is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that message is so offensive to our world that what we're actually hearing from media, from government, is that the Christian message is harmful. 
that uh, Jesus Christ exclusively as the Savior is, is harmful for, for us to declare to the world. And there's coming a time, potentially, um, where there's going to be a strong pressure on the church and on Christians to be quiet about the exclusivity of Jesus. You can have a private faith, you worship at home, but don't dare talk about this stuff publicly because it hurts people's feelings, right? And I'm telling you that if we don't blast the message loud and clear from the church and from our lives that Jesus is the way and it's the best way and it's a good way and it does not harm you, it actually helps you. If we don't share that message, I mean, our world's not going to get it any other way. We used to be in a, a, a culture where the message of Jesus was prevalent. Would you agree? Years ago, it just... It was kind of almost everywhere. Everywhere you looked, everywhere you say, it's just, yeah, Jesus is, it's not that way anymore, guys. And I feel it, and I don't know if you feel it, but I, I feel the darkness encroaching on the church and pressuring. And, and here's the only solution to darkness you know what it is? <laughs> you can't fight darkness unless you shine more light. And you can't shine more light if you're not going to point to God and live for God. You've got to speak His truth, and you have to understand truth, and you have to live it in such a way that the world can't deny that we believe what it is that we say we believe. So Jesus is exclusively the way to the Father, but he then says this, if you uh, practice or walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another. See, this is, this is where it gets so important for the church to be the church. I cannot do uh, what I do um, without your help and support. Uh, I can do it as an individual, but I can't do it uh, from this platform. Um, we need each other. And the Bible makes this very clear that uh, Christianity from day one was always done together in fellowship. Now, we, we talk about fellowship like it's potlucks. That's fellowship. We're going to have donuts. That's fellowship. That's not... Listen, fellowship is not synonymous with eating, okay? We're Baptists. We like to eat. That's fine, but that's not... That's not fellowship. Um, fellowship is actually a, a, a nautical term. It was used for shipping. It was used for, for travel. But what it really literally meant was that one ship crossing the ocean by itself was in real danger. Before we had radios and before we had, you know, uh, satellites and we had the internet and all these things that, you know, how we can communicate across the world. Before you had that, you had line of sight. If I could see you, I could communicate with you, and that was about it. And so if I'm out in the middle of the ocean by myself and I try to call AAA, guess what? It's too late. 
by the time they try to get there. Fellowship meant that two ships traveling together could help each other. That if, if I were in trouble, I could get some help from the, from the other ship. If we were in real danger, we could evacuate and get onto this other ship and save our lives. We had a common purpose and a common destination, and we were doing it together. We were there to warn each other. Warning is okay in the church, guys. <laughs> we're there to encourage each other, strengthen each other, supply resources for each other, but that's fellowship. And that's what God always intended for Christian people is to do life together, that as believers, we would gather in church buildings, not just for an hour on Sunday, but that we would get to know each other, that we would love one another, that we would help each other, that we would have a Christian community. And I don't want to be prophetic here. I, all I'm saying here is, is this. When the world is covered in more darkness than it is now, the community of believers is going to be much more necessary than it's ever been. So we bond in fellowship, but we can't do it if we're not walking in the light. We walk in the light together. It gives us community together. It gives us strength to say, Here's, this is what sin is. This is what God wants. Let's help each other get further down the road. Amen. We've been in times, and, and I've been in ministry long enough to that you you see that community in the past has just been been nice, social. It, it's becoming really necessary now, really important. And this is what John was dealing with: persecution and darkness all around, but the light continues to shine. So that's a fourth doctrine is that God puts us together in bodies of believers and we need that. And then he says in, in verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Here's what happens. We, we get this. I know you get this, but um, we need constant cleansing. We proclaim a powerful salvation. You trust Jesus Christ, you're saved. Amen. You, you call on the name of Jesus, you're saved. Whatever moment that ever happened in your life, that's the moment that God came in, He changed your heart, He, he gave you the Holy Spirit, he, he made you a new creature in Christ, He guaranteed your salvation for all eternity. Okay, that's a, is a, such an important step of faith that we have to take. And because we proclaim a powerful, instantaneous salvation. Sometimes we forget that I need God every day. And I, I get dirty. And I, I think wrong and I do wrong. And I, I need that constant opportunity to come to the Lord on a regular, um, many times a day basis. God, man, I'm sorry. Forgive me for that. I, I said the wrong thing. I thought the wrong thing. I, I did the wrong. God, would you please cleanse me and forgive me and and keep me on that path. And uh, here's what happens is that as you do that, you get more and more confident in your salvation, not less. Because you're 
sensing the constant presence of the Holy Spirit. You might feel worse about the small things than you used to. Anybody? Used to be the big things, like God was smacking me over the head with a two-by-four to get my attention. Like, yeah, you shouldn't be doing that. Now it's like the little things. I'm like, oh, I, oh, I thought the wrong thing. You know, I, was, I don't know if I should say this. <laughs> I was... <laughs> <clears throat> Okay, this is just, I'm telling on myself, all right? I was driving down the road the other day, saw a person who I, in the back of my mind, I'm like, ugh, the outfit they were wearing. And I caught my, I mean, my, the Lord was just like, I'm sorry, God, what a, what a wrong, stupid thing to, to think. I'm sure lots of people do the same thing when I'm walking down the road, but it's just like, why? You know, but that's the Holy Spirit getting my attention. And, and what I caught myself more and more and more here lately is, and I never really realized I was doing this, but I'm always kind of praying in the back of my mind. You ever have that? Like, it's just, you're having a conversation with the Lord and you're going through your day and it's just, yes, Lord, and thank you, Jesus. And I'm sorry about that, God. And it's just this, then, and what the Bible says about praying without ceasing it's just kind of happening. I didn't try to do it. I wasn't intending to, to, to do that. It's just, it's just happening. And, and all through the day, it's, okay, I'm trying to get rid of this garbage because the garbage keeps trying to encroach in on me. But he says that as often as you need, but if you confess your sin, he's, he's faithful and just. I can absolutely guarantee if you will say it, God, I'm sorry, he's going to say you're forgiven. And what happens is that constant cleansing, it, it begins to just change your perspective. And now I'm starting to see the, the world differently. You see the darkness, but you also see where God's moving because he's changing my heart. And true doctrine is this, that as we continually pray like this and allow him to cleanse us and believe on that cleansing is that I'm always keeping in mind how holy he is. And I'm always aware of how far short I fall. And I'm always uh, in need of Jesus to keep me there. And I'm always aware of the reality of other believers helping me and the help that I can give. But this little thing of constant cleansing solidifies true doctrine in your life. And here's the last thing I'm going to say about it. If you're uncertain in your faith, in your walk, in your salvation, in your standing with the Lord, I'm going to guess that what has happened is that you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's not that that you're really concerned about. You, at some point in your life, you, you gave your life to Jesus, but you've missed this daily walk, okay? Uh, I haven't owned too many new cars. I did buy a car that was really clean when I bought it. Anybody have, I mean, you like a brand new car. Nobody's spilled anything in it. There, there's no dirt on the floor, nothing, right? 
You know how easy it is to keep a clean car clean? I had an old uh, Dodge Durango, okay? I didn't clean the thing for three and a half years. Didn't vacuum it, didn't wash it, never. Okay, the whole time I owned it, never cleaned it. How dirty was it when I went to get rid of it? I didn't even clean it. I just, it was junk. <laughs> it, it's, but this is what Christians do. They, they never, I shouldn't say they never. Sometimes this is what happens. We think that that salvation should keep us clean until the end. And I'm, I'm going to feel okay about my life and I'm just going to go to heaven and it's going to be great. But the reality is that that salvation says, God, I, I cleaned you off. I made you pure. Now, every day, you come before the Lord and you let him sweep away a little grime, a little dirt every day. And you feel like you're actually walking with God. You want that? Take a moment, make sure that you're saved, but commit yourself every day to spend some time with God. And you start to see this process work itself out in your life. Amen? And then, guess what happens? The church begins to shine bright in a dark world. When we actually put these things into practice, we begin to shine out into our workplaces, into our homes, into our schools, and people begin to see, like, what's different? Yeah, I was always saved, but now I'm walking with God. A powerful difference. Father, we thank you. Lord, we need you. We pray for your Holy Spirit to uh, take true truth, true doctrine, your word, um, pierce our hearts, Lord, change our minds, Encourage and empower us, Lord, because we are getting ready in these next few moments to walk out these doors into who knows what. Some people are walking into very dark places. They need to be the light. Lord, they need your strength and your power. And so, Lord, our prayer is that you would take the entirety of the power that you have to offer and make it real, present, and available and accessible to every person as they go. That we would not dismiss, forget, or neglect our great need for you. And God, only, only you can do that. But we commit ourselves to that process today. Help us to be the light for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, as we stand and sing, I want to encourage you to take a moment and let the Holy Spirit wash and cleanse whatever has caused any amount of um, dirt to build up in your life today. Amen? Let's stand and sing.